You're listening to Astonishing Healthcare, the podcast hosted by Capital Rx, focusing on the biggest issues affecting healthcare consumers, benefits plan sponsors, and health plans. We're covering the inside baseball on how things truly work or don't in the U.S. healthcare system and pharmaceutical supply chain in an astonishingly efficient way. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Astonishing Healthcare Podcast. This is Justin Veneri, your host, Director of Communications at Capital Rx, and I'll be discussing star ratings, CMS translation requirements, and maybe a little bit of MTM with my colleague, Jay Tran, a pharmacist by training, working in the government space for years, and our current Senior Director for Government Services. Jay, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Justin. So we worked on a Pharmacy Benefits 101 article last year on star ratings, and you know it'd be great if you could just kind of get us going. One, maybe just take a step back a little bit more about your background and your focus over the last handful of maybe a little longer years. And then two, what are some of the most recent updates there? And if you want to kind of jump into and explain explaining what star ratings are, that may help too, in case anybody's not familiar. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. First and foremost, thanks for having me today. I've been in the government space ever since 2007 when I uh, graduated from pharmacy school at uh, the University of Illinois, Chicago, and uh, just been in the managed care space and specifically government. Uh, worked with a Medicaid fee-for-service program. We did authorization reviews, criteria writing, anything the state needed at that particular point in time. We, we pretty much did it for them. Um, I also then, uh, after that, transitioned over to a health plan, a healthcare service corporation. It's one of the blues plans. The headquarters is in Chicago, but they operate in five different states and oversaw many of the pharmacy operations, pharmacy implementation, and managed some of their clinical programs at the health plan side. Spent a few years there, then moved over to one of the big three PBMs as a clinical consultant supporting a large health plan um, with a focus on the Medicare line of business with formulary submissions, clinical programs, uh, strategy. And uh, here I am, CapRx, and brought here to really help build out our government programs. And that was one of our first directive was focusing on kind of the government needs for CapRx and what we need to support our health plan clients. And STARS is extremely important to health plans and Medicare payers. The first and foremost, I think the star bonus payment is, is what everyone you know knows about. Uh, health plans that can perform really well on these stars measure, they have bonus payments that ties to their CMS star ratings. So imagine that there are over several uh, dozens of measures a health plan can be assessed on based on their quality metrics. Some of these are Part C, and these are mainly on the medical side. Think of like flu shots and such. Mm-hmm. That, the medical payer manages. And then there are some that are like specifically Part D that the PBM may be more intimate with. And these are your adherence to drugs. And that's the most important things. And if we can do really well in that area, in terms of some of those metrics, there's a higher rating. And a higher rating means there's a potential for more revenue for that particular health plan that they can reinvest into their organization, such as reducing premiums for those uh, Medicare beneficiaries, or there may be some additional ad hoc services they can support that may be focused on very specific clinical initiatives. So it's first star bonus payment. And then the second thing I think that's extremely important for health plan is once they achieve at a higher star rating, they actually get kind of listed first um, during open enrollment for Medicare beneficiaries. So for Medicare every year, Members get notified, hey, it's um, that time of year again, you get to re-enroll at a new plan. And so what you know these beneficiaries do is they would go into the system, Medicare.gov, and then start looking up for next year's plan and see if, well, do I want to stay with my current plan or do I want to change plan? 
And if you're one of those playing with the higher star ratings, it gets listed first. So imagine on a Google search, you're looking something, you know, you tend to stick on what's on the top few records on your pages. So to have a higher star rating, you tend to be listed first. So that's really nice, right? And that's yep. market potential for that particular payer. That makes sense. I recall there were some recent updates, um, or I guess maybe is it fair to categorize it as like a recalibration uh, of some of the metrics you referred to on the adherence side and on the, um, I guess, satisfaction side. Can you just maybe maybe share a handful of the things that matter most in terms of what goes into the actual star rating? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, stars, there's a lot of stars out measures out there that uh, measures those performance and CMS every year go through a process of identifying changes or notifying health plans of what those changes may be. Um, some of the big changes are like technical changes that are coming up this year and moving to a few years just in terms of how they uh, identify like members within a particular measure. So they just use different definitions and these are technical changes in terms of uh, member uh, continuous enrollment in the plan, whether they stay in the uh, the denominator or not for the, that particular measure. And then some of the other big items are the two key outlier uh, requirements that CMS is now applying. There's a methodology that they're using now in terms of removing some of those really, really outlier, uh, high and really low numbers on specific metrics. And that change of, of how that is calculated does affect some of the, the way future star ratings are calculated. Um, so that's important, and for for health plan to assess kind of what's going to happen with their star ratings for the upcoming years. The third big thing that I can think of that's coming up for stars is just um, if you look into the proposed rules or even some of the uh, CMS final rules, they're looking at kind of how to kind of make stars a kind of a health equity inclusion type of program. You reward uh, payers for for investing in these areas. Um, so they're going to start actually looking at, you know, members demographic is in terms of calculating some of the stars rating. So those with low socioeconomic status, like LIS members, maybe based on their, their age or gender or disability status, that is, you know, they're thinking about factoring that into how stars are calculated. Um, so that's a big change for stars uh, as the government is trying to kind of uh, move into this space of health equity. Got it. Okay. And just big, big picture. One is poor and five stars is excellent, right? The sta standard five, five point scale. You got it. Right. Right. Okay. And then I guess the way I'd like to ask the question is, it seems like there's a, there are two components, more technical components, but then there's also sort of a service aspect to it. Uh, how big of a, I think the way you described it Previously to me, it was there the, the domains, um, you know, it was customer service, member complaints and changes, member experience with the drug plan, drug safety and accuracy. So is it really just all about keeping members on their prescribed medications so adherence is high and then, you know, just basically, quote unquote, managing their care so that their their feedback is positive along the way? Yeah, one could uh, concisely summarize it like that too. But it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit of everything. There are those particular measures that focus on uh, a patient experience. Those CAP surveys, surveys as they are called, we don't really know how certain members are targeted and how they uh, are, are communicated. But they get this survey about their experience with their health plan. So that is supposed to take that female you know, particular enrollee's uh, experience with health plan and that information, and then 
scored in terms of that particular measure. And that's a patient somewhat subjective um, measure, right? And then you have more objective measures that just clearly look at claims data and just measuring their adherence and keeping them on that. So yes, those are individual measures that rolls up to a larger domain that could be focused on drug safety. And then there are some patient experience ones. Um, and then, you know, those are part D, but then you have other part C measures that looks at other type of measures as well. And if you think about all these domains, uh, they all have their own kind of ways their numbers are scored and, uh, and all that mathematic kind of rolls up to a bigger number that equates to a STARS rating. Got it. Great. Thanks for that, Jay. And I think maybe we can touch on medication therapy management or MTM really quickly. Is that baked into the the star rating and the um, sort of adherence or safety somehow? And then, I mean, it's a requirement for Part D sponsors. Are there any key updates for 2024 and what should health plans be thinking about or aware of there? Yeah, medication therapy management is one of the STARS measures that, you know, plan sponsors, they need to have this particular program. And for those that are not as familiar with MTM as it's called for short, uh, think of it as a kind of an annual medication review for specific Medicare enrollees. They have to meet a specific criteria to be eligible for this uh, free program for the member. They have to meet a specific uh, disease state criteria. They have to be on like, at least seven to 10 drugs per month. And then there's a annual cost uh, threshold that's kind of calculated every year that you expect the members to exceed in order to qualify for that program. So not everyone uh, meets this criteria, of course. They're only those with those three main criteria. Once they meet that, then you know they are required to offer that free MTM service to that member, and that is a STARS measure. And the way that uh, MTM works is, you know, there's a denominator, those that qualify for MTM, and then the numerator is essentially those that actually got the MTM, MTM service. And that equates to a percentage that then further correlates to a STARS rating. And so the big change coming for MTM is, is that criteria logic. Uh, what CMS has deemed as an appropriate criteria for a, a member to be eligible for MTM they have hinted in the proposed rules and some of the final rules that they're going to change that. They're actually going to try to lower uh, the threshold criteria for eligibility. Um, so what we would expect in coming years is that uh, there's going to be actually more members that are going to be eligible for MTM. There's going to be a lower cost threshold, a lower kind of a disease state. Uh, and, and so I think plan sponsors need to start thinking about how they want to plan for MTM because that means that more people will be eligible for this service and it would impact their STARS rating. So as they plan for future years, uh, just figure out how to kind of manage that additional cost for the services um, that they have to offer and if they want to maintain that, maintain that high star ratings. So CMS has fully finalized all the rules yet. They were expecting some type of um, update or notification in this advance notice or, or CMS final rule coming up to, to tell us what they're thinking of. But for at least this year and then moving into 2025, we do expect it to, to stay the same potentially. But, um, you know, this year would be the same. But then next year, there's some maybe possible changes with some of those criteria. So I think once that information gets released, um, I think what health plans should definitely start doing is figuring out, like, what does that mean for their population group and how much more MTM members would be eligible and how much more, you know, cost for them to deliver that service to maintain that STARS rating. Thanks for that. and then. 
You know, one other area that's new for, well, another requirement for 2024 is the translation requirements. Um, I just have a couple of questions for you. So what's the significance and overall importance here? Uh, what were the changes proposed and how's it going so far? Yeah, translation requirements is um, near and dear to my heart. I feel like um, English is a second language. It's really hard to, um, first off, to navigate the healthcare system, then imagine an individual that doesn't speak English as their first language trying to navigate that. So in the past, CMS has always recommended that health plans, you know, provide that service to these members. Um, this is the first year in 2024 uh, where they codify those rules into, reg- into the register as actual rules and requirements. You need, need to offer alternative format and languages and also translation of materials for these particular members. I, I think it's uh, CMS's m- approach to try to make healthcare more inclusive and there are some of these pockets of uh, population where, you know, not having English as their primary language, they just are not um, knowledgeable to be able to navigate the system. So what CMS is telling, you know, health plan sponsors now and required by the rule, you know, is that they have to offer these ser- services. There are some caveats, of course, um, you know, you have to, CMS requires this in those uh, that are kind of above the five percent threshold to 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 be the rule to be in effect. So so the, it only affects specific uh, health plans that live in those particular service areas. But I think one way to think of this is like if you're able to do the service, that's it's great for your your membership. And here at CapRx, you know we we value this that that member experience, and you know we you know focus on kind of how do we create a process to help our clients meet these requirements, but also if they want to optionally uh, to provide these services. So we have uh, various ways to set up in our system, uh, through our call centers, uh, through our vendors, through our process to account for these particular scenarios. That makes sense, Jay. Okay. Do you have any you know, tips or suggestions, like, you know, tactical or, or longer term for health plans or plan sponsors with more diverse populations that you know, may include these members whose first language is not English to uh, you know, deliver the service and meet the requirement? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think that definitely the uh, the health plans are the um, having that direct relationship for their uh, for their membership. They know uh, what uh, needs their population may need in terms of the translation of materials, what the primary spoken languages. You know, as they gather that data, and if they want to continue to provide good services to these particular members, there's ability to pass down that information for PBMs or any other downstream entities to be able to continue that. Uh, level of service for that particular member as they are taking these calls and and then on their call center these members may be requesting for which they are required to, to offer translation of you know of calls they do have a kind of a record of some sort of data of those members and the percentage of them they're actually requesting uh, an alternative language or format and volume and definitely with that data if they're interested in kind of implementing kind of a, a solution downstream you know, work with their, you know, their your delegated vendors as well as their PBM in terms of providing those services and just start looking at that aid and see if something they want to expand. And I think those services that they can provide may help enrich member experience, which then further kind of ties into an earlier conversation where we just mentioned about like stars rating and the patients and the members experience with the plan. Oh, true, true. Makes sense. Okay. Great, Jay. Thanks for that overview of, of these new these new requirements and and star ratings. Um, 
my last question for you, what I'm asking everybody, given everything we've discussed today and just your background and what you've seen, what's what's the most astonishing thing you've seen in and around the space that you can share, of course, um, and, and why? Yeah, most definitely. I, as you know, I've been in this in- industry for, for some time now from the health plants side, um, working with uh, their particular infrastructure with the data warehouses. I've been at PBMs where, you know, we've worked in legacy pharmacy adjudication systems. And, you know, the biggest barrier I had in prior roles is just to be able to implement some, you know, clinical programs or initiatives with the technology that we have. You know, one thing I'm amazed here at Capital Rx is our ability to do that. There is really nothing that's really stopping us from implementing any clinical programs. The ability to use data information technology and deploy them in our system is just amazing and uh, the way to connect these data points to get to where we want to really quick and through the automation of technology has really helped us to facilitate some of our internal process to deliver these services um, uh, for our, our company so it's judy is the name of our pharmacy claims adjudication platform and um, I love it. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> what it can do. And if you don't know about it, I say check it out and you know, watch some of our demo videos on what uh, Judy can do for you. Good stuff. Jay, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks, Justin. Thank you for listening to Astonishing Healthcare by Capital Rx. Head over to cap-rx.com slash insights and visit the podcast section for show notes and other relevant content. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And definitely share the link to the show with your network if you enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your day.